You guys may or may not have witnessed our very own, oh, that's me, Ryan Konigsberg, <laughs> experience a rough hangover experience. Yes, I did. After our Broncos draft party and the preseason game at Blake Street Tavern, it's the only thing that made that preseason game palatable. That and good old Brandon Allen. Uh, but if you haven't seen the video, it's actually worth checking out uh, over on Facebook on the DNVR Broncos page. Vita, Vita Mobile IV came right to my rescue, and it was pretty impressive. They showed up at my house, hooked me up. I just sat there and watched sports as they drained the necessary fluids into my body out of a bag. And we just hung out for about 30 minutes. And then like that, like, like, like a, the snap of a fingers, I was back to life and feeling good. Um, so I highly recommend it. And if you want to try it out, use the promo code HYD20 to save 20% off your first IV drip. And that's actually a pretty good deal. Visit VitaMobileIV.com today to learn more or to download their app. Broncos country is Sitting in the south stands Drinking the courage from my life The best part of the weekend Hugging the perfect stranger As they become a friend Having a good time when the orange and blue W.I.N. Welcome in to the DNPR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Make sure you use that promo code DNVR20 to get 20% off your next order of Strava Craft Coffee. And boys, I hope you're nice and caffeinated this morning. We got a good one. Got a good one on our hands. Welcome back. Welcome home. Hello, Ryan. Zach, how are you? I'm um, doing fantastic. <laughs> I am ready to rumble because that's what it's going to be today. I'm a little, I was a little worried about you. I, I just, you're just, I don't know if you're used to taking abuse like that on Twitter. I embraced it. I loved it. Uh, you did. You did a really good job. And as I was telling uh, Allie Monroy yesterday, uh, as I, I was reading through the responses and actually she was reading through the responses and she said, at least no one was like mean about it. And I said, well, yeah, that's because Zach is generally not a dick. <laughs> and, and the second that, uh, you know, it, the second that you are that, then people feel like they can be that to you. Right, right. Uh, but <laughs> since you're generally a nice person, no one felt the need to, like, totally attack your you personally. They just wanted to blow away your take, which was, in fact... A completely terrible take. Oh, don't tell me that, Ryan. Don't tell me. You 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 sat back and saw the responses, and now you want to be the people's guy. No, yes, no. you do. You want to no. be the man of the Zach, people. Zach, I had your back on Tom Brady, <laughs> all the way. See, I would rather have Philip Rivers than Tom Brady. <laughs> and I was gonna come out. See, you're next, <laughs> Zach. We ta- we've talked about it for three years on this podcast. You know what it's called. It used to be called the Manning year. <laughs> now it's just called the year. And Philip Rivers is very, very obviously having the year right now. I don't think so. And that's where I feel like your, <laughs> your, your eyes have failed you. See, I think Philip Rivers may be having a moment like Peyton Manning had back in 2010 when he threw 11 picks in three games. 
and people thought this might be the end. Every Just great quarterback had a moment where they got into their mid to late 30s and you thought this is it. It happened for Drew Brees. It happened for Tom Brady. And then they went around that. They, you think they're hitting the wall and they're not. You know, In screenwriting, they refer to a false dawn. I call it a false sunset. The question is, is this the real sunset for Philip Rivers or is it the false sunset? I think there is a chance it's the false sunset. Don't know for sure. There's a chance it could be, whereas for Tom Brady, I think he really is gradually but clearly hitting the wall. That means that's it. See, like, I thought Zach had the worst take of the day, and then I saw <laughs> you say that you'd rather have Philip Rivers than Tom Brady, and I'm like, are we living in an upside-down world? I'd rather have neither. I'd rather go young if given the choice. Well, Me in, too. In that that's the important thing to also take into consideration here is if Drew Locke's not the guy, if John Elway doesn't go first-round quarterback next year in the draft, if... John Elway can't lure Tom Brady here. Philip Rivers isn't number one on my list. Let me He's make that four. clear. Exactly. So, somewhere along those lines. Well, knowing John, is the draft a place he's going to want to go? Probably not in the first round. Is free agency, getting an old dude, a place he wants to go? Ah, very well could be. Would I rather have Philip Rivers over Joe Flacco? A hundred million percent. Would I rather have Philip Rivers over Andy Dalton? Oh, yes, you know it. Would I rather have Philip Rivers over Jameis Winston? I was just going million to ask you times that. No, out. no I'd rather no. have Jameis. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you got Jameis. Know who you're talking about here. He hit the wall before he even joined the NFL. Now, Jameis could be another Jake Plummer if he can be harnessed. The, the problem with Rivers for me, and by the way, first you had the bad take, then Mace had a bad <laughs> And then I was looking in the comments, and like the takes just kept getting worse. Like Someone else said they'd rather have Joe Flacco than Philip oh. Rivers. I'm like, oh, you guys come are, on. Come on. I'm like, you guys are out, you're trying to have a worse take than Zach. We got people talking. Yes, we yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Zach got the people going for sure. Um here's the problem for me with Rivers is it just feels like his arm talent has evaded him. And that is just scary to me. He's so used to living on the edge and I don't think his arm is good enough anymore for him to live there. And, and it's, and it's just costing him. Well, let's take a look at his throws from Monday night. Let's not. No, let's, <laughs> and let's focus on the last possession because I think there are two throws that, could lead you to go one way or the other on Philip Rivers. The pass to Mike Williams. I mean, it's a great catch by Williams, but there's a lot on that ball. That's a good throw on Philip sure. Rivers' part. But that's also but, desperation, a little bit of luck involved. But here's the thing. He has the arm strength to get it there, and yet on the interception, it's a bad decision, but it's also a bad throw. There's nothing on it. And he had a couple of other, other throws during the game that were outside the numbers, to the sideline about 15 to 25 yards downfield where there's just no juice on it. Yeah. So is his arm fading? Well, if you look at the throw to Mike Williams, you'd say, well, no. But you look at the other throws and say, well, didn't look like he had a lot of hot sauce on those. It's not usually the, the lobbed passes where your arm talent uh, is uh, exposed when you're losing it because it's just rearing up and just throwing it. You know, it's usually – the passes that you are used to having zip over the middle where you didn't need to put your whole body into it that come back to get you. In the end, I think Philip Rivers is done. I think Tom Brady has plenty more in the tank. Um, I would much rather go young. I think everyone would. 
you just got to hit on Drew and all of these problems go away. But, I mean, that you could say that, you know, I wrote my column on that, and and that's – I realized that it's the, it's the answer to most problems. That's why I said it's a two-step process. But it is kind of crazy that you could already have the guy, and we're just sitting here waiting to find out. And I wasn't able to listen to the podcast yesterday. I did see the headline, and I assume that you guys talked about the fact that Drew, it's certainly sounding like we're not getting Drew in week 13. Exactly. That's exactly what it is, Ryan, because Vic Fangio said on Monday he needs to be the backup before he can be the starter. And then he also said that Drew Locke is likely not going to be the backup this week. So put two and two together, we Drew Locke not playing week 13. What are they hiding? G G M A F B. Segment of the week. Give me a <laughs> effing break. A friggin' break, yeah. as Philip Rivers would yeah. say. <laughs> That's like every week there's something that makes me say that. <laughs> yeah. Why in God, what in God's name can Drew Locke gain from standing on the sidelines with a clipboard and his jersey on? There's nothing. There is nothing. And Ryan, if, if he needs to be the backup, why would he not be the backup this week? What reasonable logic is there? Because, hey, I'm all for him playing this week, but if they want to take this process, okay, whatever. Have him start at home. Have him be the backup. But it's not like he's not traveling to the games and stuff and he needs to learn that. No, he's there on the sidelines. Just put a jersey on and have him be sitting on the bench instead of kind of hovering over Brandon Allen's shoulder when they're looking at film. I mean, the only thing I can think is they're sitting here saying... Man, he's just he's just really not ready to go yet. And so we would be doing him a disservice by throwing him out there right now because what if Brandon Allen gets hurt? What if Garrett Bowles misses a block and he's exposed and then Drew Locke has to go in there? And I can I can kind of understand that, but it's just that's fine. If he's not ready right now, he's not ready. But then if he's ready next week, he doesn't need to be the backup. There's there's literally nothing at all that can be gained from him being on the sidelines with the uniform versus him being on the sidelines without one. I thought they were going to pull a little switcheroonie on us later this week. Monday, Vic says, uh, he's unlikely to be the backup, but, but possibly. I thought this Friday they were going to, Vic was just going to quietly throw it in the end of the press conference and blow the world up about how they're activating Drew to be the backup because they had that open spot from Andy Janovich, but no. As Vic said on Monday, they desperately need that roster spot. And they did. They did need it because they signed Charles Orson. Orson Charles. George Orwell. <laughs> Close enough to be another. Now, Ryan, they have two fullback tight ends on their roster, which certainly, certainly everyone can agree is more valuable than Drew Locke. And, folks, look at what we got here. It's another GMAFB <laughs> segment of the week. What are you t- – I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. At least give me George Aston. <laughs> right. <laughs> a true fullback. Yes, give me it. If we're going if you need a spot for a fullback, give me a real fullback. Andrew Beck is not a fullback. He doesn't look like a fullback. He doesn't play like a fullback. He doesn't act like a fullback. He doesn't block like a fullback. He doesn't block like a fullback. <laughs> and and he apparently is more uh, is better at the job than Orson Charles. <laughs> who was on the streets. Yeah. But they're the same thing. Yep. 
Yeah, you just brought in a worse Andrew Beck. Yes. You told us that. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. And again, you are three and seven. If you're seven and three, honestly, I'm, I'm sure. saying you got to do what you got to do. Sure. If you, I mean, I guess if Andrew Beck gets hurt, you need Orson Charles <laughs> to come in. And, but you are three and seven. Yep. The only positive thing, the only positive thing that can come from the rest of this season, or not the only, I shouldn't say, the most positive thing that can come from the rest of the season is, is Drew Locke showing out. And, I mean, I've gone through everything in my head. What could they be doing? And, like, and I was um, turning – I was disagreeing with the fans pretty vehemently early on when they were saying, well, this just means that they don't believe in Drew. And I've gone – I've tried to, to take the mental trip – to every other destination that you can go to instead of this just means they don't believe in, in Drew. And it's like, all right, I've had to return from all those trips now. I, there's, only one tick, there's only one plane ticket left, and it goes to the Broncos don't believe in Drew Locke. It's, for me, every day that goes on where he's not on the roster, where he's not the backup, where he's not the starter, another percentage goes up in my book of they don't believe in him or they believe in him so much that they're comfortable moving forward with him next year, knowing he's the guy, right, right, not right. doing anything. And to me, find out. But Even here's if you th- think that's the case, find out. If he's the guy, why aren't you putting him out there now? If he's the guy, he's your best quarterback. Wouldn't you be trying to do the best, or we should be trying to sink or sabotage the season. And we know that's not something that John Elway wants to do. He wants to win right now. It would be John it Elway. It actually makes no sense except that he's shown something that isn't what they want to see. You are right. There is one more plane ticket, and it does go to that destination. It goes to the Broncos believe in Drew Locke so much that they don't feel like they have to see anything from him this year. And But can you imagine John Elway just putting up the white flag on a season like that, that he has a quarterback who he thinks is better than the others and saying, you know what, we're not going to play him. We're going to ride the Brandon Allen bus for a little bit. Here's the thing. If Drew Locke goes out there and just sucks, <laughs> then John Elway, I mean, is unequivocally labeled as a guy who no matter what cannot identify quarterback talent. Th- this feels more to me like the old adage that it's better to be thought of as an idiot than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And, like, that's another thing that could be going on here is, is Elway doesn't want to put him out there if he thinks there's any possibility that he's not ready yet. Because if Drew Locke goes out there and goes 14 for 31 with two picks and one interception and everyone jumps off the Drew Locke train real quick, the second that they land on the ground, they're pointing at John Elway and saying, you suck. John John Elway's job, he may feel his job is on the line with it, and that's why he's protecting him. Another thing is, what what if John, it doesn't matter if he does or doesn't believe in him. He may be going, he may be doubling down on what he said the night they drafted Drew Locke. And that's, this is the Aaron Rodgers situation. I don't care who's in front of him. We're going to let him develop. We're going to take it slow. And so whether it's right or wrong, John could very well just be doubling down because we know John Elway's confident in himself, don't we? So he could be doubling down on that just to middle finger to everyone. And, and, that's, and that's the thing is maybe he drafted Drew Locke and this, and this is part of that final destination. He, he drafted Drew Locke and said, 
no matter what, he's not playing this year. Right. We are going to we are going to build around him. We're going to have Mike Munchak solidify the offensive line. If Bowles doesn't work, we're going to draft a left tackle in next year's first round. We are going to make sure that Drew Locke enters this thing on a cloud. If that's the case, then when it was clear Kevin Hogan wasn't going to be the backup, why weren't you trying to get a Matt Moore or somebody like that in there before the Chiefs got him? Because you could have Brandon Allen. Right, but oh. <laughs> he wasn't available at the time. They didn't know that. But that they, is I'm true. Kidding, Mace kidding. makes an interesting point there. They were they were prepared to make Drew Locke the number two coming into the season. Just like and they were going to roll have, two quarterbacks. Yeah, just like they were prepared to have Paxton Lynch be the number two. So if they were so protective over him that they didn't want him to play at all this season, they wouldn't have done that. They were naive though in thinking that Joe Flacco was in his prime. They were naive in thinking that Joe Flacco was going to stay healthy for all 16 games, even though he's coming off a brutal surgery last year. I mean, that, that would be the defense of that. What, how did Drew Locke – was Drew Locke in pain on the field when he got injured? I don't know. Didn't he didn't, – weren't we kind of surprised when he didn't – I feel like we were kind of surprised when he didn't come back out there. We were very surprised with – Everything if you hear that, about this injury. If you hear that crinkling, it's me building a tinfoil <laughs> hat here. Well, what if Drew Locke was never actually injured? They saw enough. No, they. Maybe just, he they, thought he. Maybe he thought he just jammed his thumb. That's the one thing I will say that why yeah, it may maybe. not have looked obvious at that point. Or maybe they said, "Hey, you're going to go down here, <laughs> and you're going to say you're injured, and then we're going to be able to put you." Are on you IR. are you telling? Hey, the for, hey forty nine ers, you might want to rush him here, force him out of the pocket. That's the problem. It's, it's getting to the point where there are too many parties that have to be involved for there to be an actual... Tell that to the Houston Astros. <laughs> a lot of parties involved there. No, I, I, I don't actually believe that. But it just, the whole, it, it does seem like it was very convenient for them to put him on IR. And now they've been able to do this whole song and dance for 10 weeks, 11 weeks, where they just... They don't really have to tell us anything, you know. He's yep. not. He's the. He's not active. So, why, how could he play? Yep. Very convenient. It is. I don't know. It's. <laughs> it's weird. The whole thing is weird. I. All right. Here we go. This. This is the, the best way to put a cherry on top of this. I've done it pretty much every time I've come on the podcast here. Where are you now? What week does Drew Locke play? Mace. I'm going to say. I'm going to say just for giggles, week 14, and say, you know what, maybe Brandon Allen gets hurt and Drew Locke goes in there before they want him to. I'm going to go week 13. Still. I think a, a switcheroo is going to be thrown at us some way, either, like I said, on Friday at the very last question, Vic, Vic just throws that in that he's the backup this week, or next week they say, um, yeah, he's he's a starter after the Broncos lose their past two games and Brandon Allen doesn't look very good. Man alive, I hope you're right. I hope so. Maybe I really I'm just do. optimistic. I don't know. Brian, what is it? I'm I'm back to fifteen. Ugh. I'm back to week fifteen. Ugh. And Wait, fi- so the Chiefs 15? game or sorry, week sixteen. Okay. Game fifteen. Oh, game fifteen. No, so we're getting a two game evaluation. A two game which is here is one theory on week fourteen, and it hit me yesterday. What if they are thinking we want to get an equal look at Brennan Allen and Drew Locke, and that would be four games for each? Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> oh, like, we my. gave one guy four games, we're going to give the other guy four games. 
Might as well just split it and give Brett Rippon three games as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> if Brett Rippon starts and Drew Locke doesn't. We riot. <laughs> we riot. It would be gross. There's not enough Breck brews in the world to help me recover from what would happen there. But I can pretty much fix anything else. Uh, Breck brews, the Colorado core, mm. the strawberry sky, the... the, the, the uh, Vanilla Porter, or as I call it, Vanilla Porter Jr., uh, or as most people at the DNVR office call it that. But the Colorado Core is a good one, and it's actually, we're getting like a fall right here in the middle of yep. winter, and it's actually pretty great. Um, and Colorado Core is like a great fall drink. You got the appleness in there. I mean, you should, this is a pretty good thing to bring to your family Thanksgiving, I would say. Oh, it's perfect. It's per- And today is the perfect day. You got the crisp in the air, and that's just when you want the Colorado core, and you're just crunching on those leaves. Yeah, yeah, but you got snow coming, too. Exactly. And you, crisp you need, is you exactly... That, you need that beer coat. Crisp is exactly how I'd describe it. Mm-hmm. It's very crisp yeah. on the mouth. So shout out to Breckeridge Brewery. We really appreciate you guys. And speaking... Go ahead. And speaking of supporting local businesses, that's why we're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. And it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gastics, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming, and we've already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked their, out their warehouse a few weeks back, and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people, just like us here at DNVR. So be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them today at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and make sure you tell them who sent you. You know what? To go back to the Breck Brew thing, you talked about how many you'd need to drink. <laughs> yes. I realized I would probably need 16, and I'm thinking of 16 because that is the number of players the Broncos had in for tryouts on Tuesday. No punters, by the way. All defensive players, a couple of ex-CFL guys because most of the league, their seasons have ended because they're counting down to the Grey Cup here. No punters on the list. Basically a really standard Broncos late-season tryout list where you're bringing in all defensive guys one week, all offensive guys another week. Mm. You're evaluating players that you might sign to your 90-man roster when the rosters expand for the offseason. Some, somewhere, somebody is just yelling the name Shane Trapuca into a void, and it's just echoing It's off. probably his father, <laughs> who I think has tweeted at all of us at various points over the last few years. But he's also like got like a few other people onto the bandwagon. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Basically, uh, I don't care who it is. Shane Trapuca, Shane O'Neill, who is a soccer one. player for yeah. the Rapids. Chris Trapuca, by the way, Shane's father, his Twitter feed is a mix of tweets plugging his son's bona fides as a punter and then pro-Trump tweets. It's an interesting collection of stuff. 
<laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> yeah, interesting. Exactly. Yeah, interesting <laughs> in, indeed. Um, I'm sure you guys mentioned this yesterday on the podcast, but just wanted to thank everyone who nominated us for Best Colorado Podcast. Uh, what an honor. Uh, I actually I tweeted out it was seven finalists because I was looking at a graphic. It's actually five. We are one of five hey. finalists nominated for Best Colorado Podcast, which is pretty damn cool. And uh, we're also the only sports. This podcast and then the Denver Sports Podcast, which is nominated for Best New Podcast. The only two nominees from the sports category. So uh, really, really proud of that. So freaking cool. And thank you guys so much for helping us get there. And it'd be awesome to take it home, wouldn't it? Oh, man. I've, I've already written my speech. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that jinxing it, though? Nope. I'll just be laughing in the background. Yes. Uh, it's all just a series of jokes where Zach just <laughs> Which is what up. everyone wants to hear, the laughter, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Some people, most, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> and by the way, if you... So, it's not... The vote isn't open to the public unless... You're a podcaster. You have created a podcast that has some connection to the state of Colorado within the last year. Wow. And... Let me tell you, your phone has a great app on it for recording your voice. Just say Colorado into your phone 50 times, upload it to uh, SoundCloud, yep. and go vote. There you go. All right. There uh, are people who are going to take that advice, by the way. You know that, right? I, That's why we love our people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or don't even just say Colorado. Just get a list of all the counties in Colorado. Read them off. There's your podcast. Adams County, Denver County, Boulder County. <laughs> Could probably stop there. It's just called counties. <laughs> Counting counties. Counting Colorado counties. Oh, I like it. Kit Carson County. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Speaking of the good folks that support this podcast in so many ways, let's get into the questions uh, right here. We don't need to today. All right. No. Let's wrap it up. No, we do. <laughs> this is why I'm here, by the way, today is the questions. <laughs> this first one comes in from DS Rodish. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. He says, I'm disappointed in you both. No. No, Philip Rivers. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Zach, Denver fans would embrace him? No. Might as well keep rolling with Joe Cool. See? No. Uh, I can think of 75, 75 <laughs> great reasons that would be an awful decision. If Locke ain't it, stick with a young draftee and ride through the bumps. Sure. I agree with that. I don't think John Elway agrees with that. But what I totally disagree with you with, everyone would embrace Philip Rivers. He, yeah, and you know who would embrace him right on first look? It would be love at first sight. It would be our own. RK because Philip Rivers would trot out there to the to the podium wearing a nice mm. bolo tie, mm. embracing the Western Colorado culture. Everyone would love him. So I you're saying he has to go east to really be a Westerner? Uh, yeah, I guess. I guess to, to be the cowboy, the true cowboy that he is. All right, here's the thing. One, you're right. Um, <laughs> I would definitely be on board. I mean, he does a lot of things that I like. And that brings me to my second point, which is Broncos fans definitely would embrace him. Yes. At first. Okay. Now They, they if, gave an embrace to Joe Flacco. Right, it wasn't exactly. a full-on embrace, but certainly people wanted to believe that Joe Flacco was the guy. And if Philip Rivers came in, people would want to believe he was the guy. Here's the problem, though. Much like Joe Flacco. The second thing started to go wrong. People would lose their minds. 
lose their minds. You brought in this MFer who we spent, you know, 15 years hating, and now he's messing it up for us. Sure. So that's that's the problem well, because we would go through is, a great honeymoon period where he says all these awesome quotes and he wears cool things and <laughs> he's funny and we write features about how he doesn't curse and all that <laughs> stuff and then like they'd go oh and two and the world would start burning. Well, down. you understand what people would say. They'd say Philip Rivers still beating the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But if they win and you have Philip Rivers with all his fire and passion and fake cuss words, oh, man, people would eat that up. They, 100%. He would be the modern-day Neil Smith. Bronco fans hated Neil Smith yep. when he was with the Chiefs sacking John Elway. He comes to Denver. By the way, Steve Atwater played a big role in recruiting Neil Smith to Denver actually took him out for dinner when the Broncos were trying to woo him. And people loved Neil Smith. Yep. Because ultimately, as he's Jerry Seinfeld rings. said, we're rooting for laundry. And he's got two rings. <laughs> yes. Next one coming in from Nihalo. Where the heck is RK? I need someone to talk some sense into Mason Zach with this Philip Rivers talk. Absolutely no effing way I'd want that absolute bozo on our team. His arm is a noodle, and I just don't like the guy. He's been my most hated quarterback behind Brady for years, and the last thing I want to see him is, is in orange and blue. Makes me sick to think about. Also, remember how much we talked about how great it was seeing some mobility <laughs> from Allen versus Slow Joe? And now you want Phil? Come on, man. All right, yeah. Here, but here's the thing about hating Philip Rivers. You hate him actually because you love him. Yep, yep. It's it. It's it. It's, it's – uh, and, here, and here's the other thing. Everyone was willing to admit that when he was good. Right. Everyone was like, oh, it's like a playful hate. Right. Now that he's bad, everyone wants to believe they actually hate him. <laughs> no, it's just because right. they don't want him, and I understand why they don't want him. But, I mean, everything he does is great. Yep. Yep, two things that are really going to make Broncos fans probably resent me right now is there's oh, two even things, more. Yes, there's <laughs> two things that once I accepted just a couple of years ago, it made life and watching football so much better. The first, Tom Brady's the goat. I'm sorry, he's he's the best ever. Once you accept that, life is better. You can move on. And two, Philip Rivers. Come on, you got it. You gotta love him. You can cheer against him and you can hate him on game day, but come on, how do you not love him? He's what makes it fun, right? Yes, exactly. Like, going up against him is fun. Chris Harris Jr. will tell, that, tell you that. Von Miller will tell you that. <laughs> and any fan should tell you the same thing. When you play Philip Rivers, it's fun uh, because of the way he is. It's part of a great rivalry. I, As a Braves fan, this is Chipper Jones when he went to New York and got booed by Mets fans. Every time he played there, and they always chant, Larry, Larry, because that's his real first name. <laughs> and it in and, and Chipper so loved it that he named a child of his Shea, as in Shea Stadium, where the Mets used to play. Incredible. And uh, that, that's what the whole Philip Rivers Broncos thing reminds me of. You want to know? You hate him, but deep in your heart, you respect him. You want to know <laughs> what the problem with the Broncos is? No opposing fans hate any players on the Broncos. Right. You need players that other people hate. Right. That means you're good. That people means hated Elway. They oh, yeah. hated Elway in Kansas yeah. City. They hated Elway in San Calling Diego. Calling him names, yeah. making fun of his face, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's got to get back to that. Find somebody. No one hates yeah. Von Miller. No. Do people hate no. Patrick Mahomes? Not yet. Yeah, it's not coming. Yet. He hasn't broken enough hearts yet. People right now, hate. he's like this young, fascinating. And because there's also another guy you can hate on their team, a few. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. For yeah, sure. But and he with does, much yeah. better reasons. Right. Yes, exactly. But he keeps doing what he's doing with the Chiefs. He, people come to hate him. Oh, Even yeah. Even though they'll respect him as a player. Yeah. Like when, yeah. Deep in your heart, you respect him, but you hate him because he's killing you year in and year out, ripping your heart out. Yeah. Like all good rivalries, they come with time and heartbreak. Yeah. Um, yeah. I forget what I was going to say. But, oh, you know who's super hateable from other teams' fans? Who? Drew Locke. <laughs> they are going to hate him if he's good. Well, the Especially Texas Kansas players City. were mocking his – and even their coach, Tom Herman, mocked his celebration during the Texas Bowl a couple of years back. He got under their skin, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wrote a whole story about how he's pretty good at getting people <laughs> under people's <laughs> yeah, skin. That's, that's true. One of my favorite qualities about him. Yep. Jay Harrison, 16. Von Miller said that Drew Locke was going to blow up and that he hopes he's there when he does. That either means that Drew Locke is an up-and-coming Patrick Mahomes and they're saving him for the last game to see him live, where the Broncos told Von to say that to increase Locke's draft <laughs> capital so they can get back more when they trade up for Joe Burrow. Or maybe Locke is hot cakes and the Broncos only drafted him because they knew the fans would be would be pissed and not watch games when, quote, prime, unquote, Flacco bleeped the bed. Nothing makes sense, and it definitely feels like the Broncos are trying to hide something. One thing about the Chiefs not playing Mahomes, they had Alex Smith. Alex Smith was playing very well, and they were in a playoff race. It's not the same type of situation there as is here. And if the Chiefs were playing for home field advantage— all the way through the postseason in week 17, two years ago, Patrick Mahomes would not have played in that game. They were playing. If there was anything on the line that day, Alex Smith would have started. Jay Harrison chiming in with a GHMDF take of the week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's only one uh, person I trust less in evaluating players than Von Miller, and it's Charlie Casserly. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, Von is really bad at hey, this. Charlie Casserly, a long time ago, was smart enough to take basically the entire New Orleans Saints collection of draft picks in the Ricky Williams trade. But all that requires is being smart enough to pick up the phone. Yeah, I, I mostly just mean his whole thing about Kyler Murray last yeah, year, which sent yes. me all over the edge. I, I'm willing to guess he also probably at some point said Lamar Jackson should be a wide receiver. I'm sure he was leading that band. <laughs> it was him and uh, Bill Polian. Bill Polian. Yep. <laughs> All right, next one here is from Inside Line Broncos. Said, hey, guys, just wondering why everyone rips and roars, how they don't know about what the Broncos are thinking with Locke, and then don't ask the Broncos why. Will you get kicked out? Do you not want to get in tr- – don't want to get you in trouble, but it just sucks listening to radio and podcasts when everyone moans about uh, about it but won't actually ask the Broncos. Thanks, guys. Big fan. We do. We have, yeah. <laughs> in a bunch of different roundabout ways. Right. The problem just- is you don't ask it directly. You kind of have to tap dance a little bit just for – the sake of b- being nice, being respectful for uh, who's up there, but, but it doesn't yeah, matter. It's been I mean, asked you, that you ask, they asked John Elway. Well, he's not healthy. Right. We know he's healthy. <laughs> you know, it's we we aren't getting we're not going to get a straight answer here. It's we've tried. We ask on the record. We ask off the record. I've plugged dozens of different people trying to find out what the hell is going on. No one's no one's talking. And, and that's why no one in town knows what's going on. No and, one's talking. And yep. this isn't like some kind of case where you can issue a subpoena and get them to go under oath and sit there and answer every question <laughs> or plan for have Drew them Locke plead is, the fifth. The plan for Drew Locke is not included in the Freedom of Information Act. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it should be, though. We're getting Unless to that it's point. over an email. We're getting to that well, point. Well, the stadium is publicly funded. Yeah, all right. Mm. Let's... 
We've been doing it wrong all along. <laughs> the big Tabowski coming in, signing Philip Rivers. No matter how good the deal, even if he plays for free, is akin to renaming the team to the Denver Chargers. Stop. Both would be unimaginable. Rivers? Really? Hell no. I would even prefer Bezos bought the team. That's a big deal for him. He hates mm-hmm. Bezos. I'd, big Bezos hater. <laughs> yes. I'd even prefer if it was the devil himself bought the team. At least we might win some more games. I'm LOL. actually I'm super down for the devil buying the team. <laughs> I would too. Love those. But those press conferences would be great. First, we'll have to sell the Astros. <laughs> uh, someone else said the devil is too busy running a nightclub in LA and solving crimes. I assume that is a reference to a television show <laughs> or movie that I don't understand. I have not seen. Yeah. Mace, you got. Any help on that? No, I don't oh, know that. Wow. I was he thinking maybe South Park, but I don't think that's a... No idea. So, anyway. Iceman. Hey, boys. Final thoughts on the Vikings. Koobs' second half adjustments with Kirk friggin' Cousins <laughs> were amazing. He yep. orchestrated the only team in 99-plus NF- years of NFL history to score only touchdowns in the entire second half of the game going 4-4. Four for four. The Broncos, my question is about Vic. Is what Denver has suffered through in 2019, along with wasting another of Vaughn's last few remaining prime years, been worth it to not have the ex-Broncos linebacker, I assume Rick Dennison, one other coach, Brian Periani, and Koobs running the O? I believe Vic's decision not to compromise with Koobs and John could cost him his chance to remain an NFL head coach. Like Mace has also said, Absolutely no more Band-Aids at quarterback. No Phillip Rivers for me. Please lock it up, guys, and let's start winning damn football games again. Miss RK, go Broncos and Zoomies. One thing, by the way, shout out to the Zoomies. Good job this weekend. Best team in Colorado. Definitely. Without a doubt. Um, Except for, I don't know, Mines hasn't had a chance in them yet. (laughs) (laughs) Might be tough, but they haven't had a chance. Can't say it. That would actually be a fun game to watch stylistically. Yeah, I, I mean, think I think Air Force would be pretty outman. <laughs> yeah, Air, but I mean, in terms of of philosophies for each team offensively, I think Air Force would win by forty five. But still, uh, hey, mine's no matter who you put in front of them this year, they haven't lost. Um, <laughs> I forgot to mention this on Philip Rivers, and it's probably the biggest thing. He doesn't fit the scheme. Uh, I, I just, did make that point yesterday. Yeah, just as much as Joe Burrow, it's it's. Fitting a square peg into a round hole. Now, if you're going to change the whole scheme, then maybe we can start the conversation. I'll still say no, but it's, I mean, it's super not a scheme fit. And it, that's, yeah, I, you would have to change the scheme. And John Elway did it when Peyton Manning was here. John Elway also forced Peyton Manning into a different scheme. So it's if John Elway would be willing to do that to get a veteran potential Hall of Fame quarterback. For sure. Next one coming in from Nacho Brad. I am no longer angry. I am in full-on apathy mode. While admitting I am incredibly cynical, this is my thought on the season. Elway doesn't care about winning. He cares about being relevant, being the guy. People say he's competitive, and that is the ultimate competition, winning the game of power and control. Him focusing on win now, replacing Jano and activating Tim Patrick, and all these other short-term moves keeps him and his role relevant. He can hide behind this air of importance being 
being too busy trying to win games to worry about when Locke will start. That's a next season problem. As long as he gets to move the pieces on the game board and stays in charge, he's winning. Same with the trust. They can't possibly transfer power to, to a Bullen while the team is in this state, right? There's too much going on. So they perpetuate this 7-9 and nine BS, pretending to try to right the ship and transfer ownership of the team when the time is right. When really all along, they are, all they're doing is trying to hold on as long as possible. I'm so done with it. I struggle to care about the sport and the team when it's so obvious to everyone that the people at the top don't, very don't. I need a Breck brew, any flavor, now. Oh, may I recommend the Colorado Core? Last in relevance, last in the AFC West, last in hope, last in the fantasy league. Ha, ha, ha. But hopefully, still first in your hearts, Nacho Brad. Well, we hope, Nacho Brad, that you continue listening to our podcast, even if you are in full-on apathy mode. Just don't be apathetic about us. Yeah, we can talk about, like, cheese on apple pie if you want. We can talk about driving (laughs) to the doghouse in Arizona. Yes, uh, <laughs> legendary times. Um, one thing I would disagree with is just that John Elway doesn't care. He definitely cares. He wants the Broncos to win. If anything, he cares a little too bit much. too much about winning in the short term rather than doing the things necessary to give you a better chance for the long term. And what I find interesting, guys, is that I remember back in the mid-2000s, we would say a lot of the time that Mike Shanahan, the GM, effectively the GM, even though he had Ted Sundquist with that title, was failing Mike Shanahan, the head coach. Yet, in 2006, Mike Shanahan, the head coach, made a decision that was probably bad for the short term, but had potential long-term benefit in benching Jake Plummer at 7-4 and four for Jay Cutler. Think about what a luxury it is to have both of those guys on your roster. Yeah, you take either of them right now, wouldn't you? Yep. Oh, yeah. Right now. I'm talking about Jake Plummer being <laughs> at 42 44 or years old and Jake Cutler being two seasons into retirement. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, gosh, dark days. I Remember what I've brought this up before. Remember when you tweeted like, Broncos fans, you're in the golden age. Please enjoy this. Yes. <laughs> you need to say, you need to do the opposite of that tweet, which is like, Broncos fans, you're in the dark age. Please, uh, <laughs> but what I hope, please remember this. Yes, exactly. I hope people remember this so the next time the team rises to the cream of the crop, people aren't doing things like booing Peyton Manning and the Broncos offense going off the field at halftime when they don't lead the Jaguars by enough points. Right. Let's yep. never do anything like that again. Oh, yeah. In hindsight. That was kind of the apex of spoiled Broncos fans. That oh, moment. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, from Bronco Duck. Hello, gentlemen. When Elway said Flacco was, quote, just entering his prime, I never believed that he believed that. Honestly figured he was just trying to hype up Flacco for the fan base. I actually kind of agree. Yeah. Um, but such is being a public figure. If you say something just to say something, you got to own up to it later. Or maybe yep. he was trying to hype up Flacco for Flacco to build his confidence. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what, you now said it. It's on record. And you get to look bad for it. But John Elway, he should know, having been around for so long, that if one of those quotes backfires, it's going to hang around your neck 
like an anvil. I just don't think he cares. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Really don't think he cares. <laughs> he doesn't. Like, I don't think he reads his mentions on Twitter. <laughs> no, I don't think yeah. he, uh, you know, cares if D-Mac blasts him on the radio. I just Welcome don't to think, Bronco land. Yeah, I just really don't think he cares, you know. I Case Keesum. Right, like, I don't think that bothered him. I just, yep. I, may, I, I think that's also part of the problem, like. He's like, I've got three Super Bowl rings. This is a guy that started off a press conference by saying, I want to thank John Elway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I guess some of it does, I think, get to him a little bit. I mean, just because, speaking of D-Mac, like yeah. when he went after him in that press conference, it was very clear that the, the, the years of criticism had gotten yeah. under his skin a little bit. Yep. Yep, exactly. Anyways, he says, similarly, do you think Fangio is just hedging a bit with Locke? It almost feels like he's downplaying when Locke could enter the lineup to avoid putting pressure on the kid. Do you think there's any truth to that? Or do you honestly think he has concerns about Locke's ability to play? I mean, at worst, he puts up the numbers Allen has. We keep losing, get a top five pick. I just don't see the downside to him playing against the Chargers. The scenario is too perfect. I hope you're right, Bronco, Doc. I hope this is an example of under-promise and over-deliver. I really do, but I don't know. I literally long for the moment where Drew Locke goes like 12 of 18 for 221 yards and a touchdown and no interceptions, and we're on the podcast. Like, Here we go, baby. It's on. Well, then we stop having these discussions about, oh, should you root for the Broncos to win on Sunday? The moment Drew Locke goes in there, all of that vanishes. You want him to do well. And if he does well, yeah, the team's going to win some games, but lo and behold, he will have found the quarterback. And that's another reason why I want to get him in there because I'm sick of this kind of this ambiguity of saying, well, you know what? It was the best possible loss or the best possible result because you lost, but you showed that you had some fight. You found out that Tim Patrick might be a wide receiver too, blah, blah, blah. No, I want clarity. I want to go back to having this fan base all of Broncos country rooting clearly and passionately for wins again. That's and, what I want. And if he comes in and stinks it up, well, that's quietly a win as well because then you do get close to the top of the draft. And you know mm. you have that clarity, although it's not the clarity you want, but you still have clarity. When he's on the bench, there's no clarity. Yep. I agree. I, I don't think they view it. That's the one thing that I don't think they're on the same page as us as where they don't think like it's just that simple. Oh, if he sucks, he sucks, and we just move on and we go get another guy. I think it's a little more complicated from their view where they're saying like, oh, no, if he sucks, then we missed on another quarterback, yep. Yep. et cetera, et cetera. And so. even though, look, we know that Drew Locke is not Paxton Lynch 2.0 in terms of his diligence and preparation and all that, but Paxton Lynch is hanging over Drew Locke in that – Paxton was so shaky when they threw him out there as a rookie that I think that fear of the, that sort of rehash is hanging over what they're doing with Drew Locke. Completely agree. Next one's from Wyoming Bronco. He says, I go into every game thinking that the Broncos can win. However, this last game has me so frustrated. There's no excuse for blowing a 20-point lead at halftime, especially against a quarterback who is not supposed to be good when he has to carry the team on his shoulders. An absolute embarrassment. One, I was watching the game with my cousin, who had never seen the game of football in her life, even though she had no idea what was going on. Also, what? How do you go a whole life without... Anyways. Uh, she could see the collapse in the making. Once the game ended, she turned to me and said, the Broncos suck, don't they? 
which clearly shows how bad they played in that second half. Mace, you were there, and I talked to you a little bit about this on Monday when we were at the press conference. When you're in the stadium and you feel that momentum shift, you know what's happening. Yeah, it's the pit of dread. And with me, I always go back to the late 80s, early 90s, watching the Bucks, and I get the same feeling of dread. And then I start looking at the players and the coaches on the sidelines. I start seeing, okay, are they confident or do they look a little bit nervous? And I saw nervousness in them. I didn't see confidence. I didn't see a lot of swagger, a lot of guys like, you know, kind of yelling and trying to pump everybody up. Everyone was just kind of shuffling around a little bit. And I was texting with my parents during the game. They were back in Florida watching. And I said, you know, this reminds me of a game 32 years before in Tampa. The Bucks were playing the Bears. At the time, the Bears were a great team. And the Bucks went up 20 to nothing. But then the Bears started piecing their way back, coming back, coming back. And even when the Bucks were still winning in the fourth quarter, you could just tell that mentally they were beaten. You, they knew that they were going to lose this game. And so I texted that to mom, that mom, and then she said, son, your dad just said the same thing to me. <laughs> and admittedly, I'm more familiar with this sort of thing than most people in Denver because I didn't grow up rooting for a successful team. I grew up for a team that lost a lot of games just like that. And it honestly, it's the first time in the last few years that I really felt a sense of empathy and sadness for the Broncos. That's part of what kind of being in that pit was. I'm like, oh my God, this really, right now, these guys really are like those bad teams, those chronically bad franchises. Now, it hasn't gone on for the Broncos as long as for some others like the Bengals or the Browns or the Bucks, but they're showing the signs of going in that direction. If they can't get a turnaround going at some point, that said, there are reasons for hope, but I remember in those days with Tampa, there were reasons for hope. Oh, you got the, you got this receiver playing well, this lineman playing well, blah, blah, blah. But if you miss on the quarterback, all that's going to be moot. There's going to be a ceiling to what they can do. So I'm kind of in the show me mode on this one. This is Missouri style. This is what life is like in the world of suck. Yeah, this is how the other half lives. Bronco fans, you've had it mostly very good for a long, long time. And this is a glimpse of what the laggards in the NFL have to deal with and what their fan bases must endure. And again, that's why I say remember this moment because hopefully when the Broncos get back together, you'll appreciate the successes more. Yeah, and, and I also have a, a unique perspective on this being a CU football fan. Exactly. And, like, and so none of this is uh, none of this is like foreign to me. I mean, it's happened to the Buffs this year where they had a late, a late lead, and you just know, like you can just feel it. The other team's starting to get their confidence. They know how to win. They're used to being in this position. They they just play it with a slower heartbeat and make the necessary plays at the end of the game. You expect the worst. Sadly, that's what's become here. Yeah, I mean, and it's what it was in CU. I mean, like with the when, John Embry era. When Ma- McManus lined up for the field goal in the fourth quarter, I turned to Zach. I said, no chance he makes this. Nope. No chance at all. I mean, they, even they, though he was 18 of 19 since 2016 on close and late field goals inside of 50. Yeah, but you just know. That was going to be the one that he missed. You just know. Especially the 25-point mark. 
when they have a chance to get over that, something's going to happen. It's weird. Yeah, when he didn't hit that, I thought, oh my gosh, this team may not get to 25 all year. Yep. (laughs) Kill me. Uh, He goes on here and says, random comment. Did any of you hear about that radio host in Philadelphia who started a petition to ban professional sports in Denver? All right. What? I have two. I have two Spike very Eskin. strong feelings on this. One, I want to say, don't ever bring up that guy on my <laughs> podcast ever again. <laughs> the other part of me wants to really talk about this, so I'm gonna let you guys decide. Spike Eskin is a complete freaking moron, and <laughs> that's all I have to say. So that's who this guy is. Yeah, I didn't understand it at all. He like started a bit, and he. Realized that he could really get under Denver sports fans' skin, so then he just keeps driving the bit further and further and further. He was angry about the Sixers-Nuggets game a couple of weeks ago, and he was angry that Nikola Jokic, even though he does not appear to be in the same sort of prime physical condition as some of the other physical specimens that you see in the NBA— that Nikola Jokic was not getting winded and that his beloved 76ers were tiring out. And so he attributed this to altitude. It, it, it can't, he can't possibly fathom the fact that Joker is better than any player on the 76ers. Damn he right. couldn't handle it. Damn right. Anyways, I'll finish the comment here. He says, his reasoning was that altitude is a ridiculous home field advantage that isn't fair to the other team. He also called it cheating. His petition has just under 100 signatures. <laughs> In response, a person in Denver, it was actually Denver, right? Started a position to raise sporting venues in Denver a thousand feet higher. <laughs> Personally, I think this is a ridiculous petition. Thoughts? I don't know which one you're talking about. They're both ridiculous. <laughs> but yes. I, I'd be more in support of the raising the, the, the elevation of all Denver venues a thousand feet. We just, you know, walk up, you know, walk up. Or we could just put them an like in like Frisco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Springs. It put everything down at the academy because it's not it's sixty six hundred feet. So the Avs are going to play in those terrible uniforms at sixty six hundred feet. What if the Broncos had a ski in stadium? <laughs> well, Vail does have the highest artificial turf field in the country. Oh, that's where they play like those lacrosse tournaments and yep. rugby and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yep. Uh, play them there. Yep. <laughs> Actually, for years I've thought that the Broncos should have training camp like in. Gunnison or something. Did you see like Patrick Mahomes was saying he thought he could throw a ball a hundred yards at <laughs> yeah. he got Stadio seventy. Azteca. Yeah, it wasn't a bad throw. It was pretty good, but it's, not a hundred. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> he people tried. really don't understand altitude. <laughs> no. uh, and that guy's an idiot. But also, don't let him win. If you get mad about the things he says, he's beating you. You just have to look at him. Laugh and say, what yeah. an idiot. Yeah, yeah don't let him get under your skin. Just a, just a spoiled sport. Minnesota Paul, whoa, did I just hear a drum sting sound bite? Yes, keep the drops coming, DMVR Broncos. I dropped a rim shot uh. in, in post-production <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> the next one should be a record of Mace yelling, 75, <laughs> episode two. What's the argument against starting Locke against Buffalo? He's not going to play his best game in his first career start anyway. To borrow a phrase from the pod, let him shoot hoops with a medicine ball by starting the Buffalo game. In his second start, the Chargers will look like they're moving at half speed, and he'll begin his reign over the AFC West. Everyone else said already, but no Phil Rivers in Denver. I'd rather have Mariota than Rivers at this point. That's another one, no. You know what? There was something interesting that I heard yesterday and i thought i actually 
started screaming when I heard this. <laughs> it was the notion that, oh, you get Drew Locke out there for a couple of starts. That's enough to look at him. No, no, no. <laughs> I want to see him on the road. I want to see him for at least two road games in addition to the two home games. If you only need a couple of starts, doesn't that mean, one, you already know what he is, and two, you made a terrible evaluation in the draft process? I, I mean, there's there's no argument that he just needs a couple of starts. Like, there's, the sample size can never be too big. It no. can definitely be too small. It should have started in, against the, the Browns. Is really when that evaluation should have started. Half a season from a rookie at least gives you a pretty darn good idea. You know, there's not going to be outliers that that skew the sample in right. eight games. Five. What if he has two really good games and three really bad ones? What are you going to do? Yep. You know, it's tough. the the sample can get skewed. We're getting down to two. Even if he goes ten of forty in both games, you still don't know. You, you, because you can write that off and just say, oh, it's his first two starts, right. you know? We're going to look back and say, wait, you're telling me Joe Flacco, the starting quarterback, got hurt and missed half the season, and you messed around with Brandon Allen and Brett Rippon as the backup for five games, three games, four games, however many games, however many games it is. You're making that my many brain games, hurt. too many. Man, you're and, making brain And here's the thing. <sighs> If Drew Locke pans out, we'll never talk about this again. But let's say that the Broncos pass on Justin Herbert in the draft. And then Drew Locke comes out next year and sucks. And, yeah. Drew, and Justin Herbert looks great. Yeah. Like, you think we're screaming now. Oh, yeah. That's on them. Like, that was, that, that's going to be 100% their fault. And yep. you know who might be most pissed at all about that? Vic Fangio. Yep. Mm, right. Next one coming in from Mick Caffreen Addict. Howdy, fellas. I think the Broncos need to apply the win-now strategy and play their most talented guy still not in the rotation. Drew Locke, but for real. Isn't that the win-now move and also the see-what-you-have move? If he's half of what I think he could be, I wouldn't be surprised if it rallied the Broncos to 9-7 and seven or 8-8. Eight and eight. Also, there's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. I played football at a high, at a high level and have watched a ton in my life. I know a lot about the other subscribers. I know a lot of the other subscribers have too. When we see things that look like total boneheaded moves by Vic or Rich, are the coaches on a whole different level in terms of the understanding of the game and strategy where our criticism is ignorant and foolish, whereas the line between shut up and have faith in the pros, Elway, Vic, and Rich, and hey, I know a lot about football, and that was a bad decision. What are your guys' thoughts on this? Go ahead, Mace. I think sometimes... While they do, they are experts and they do know. I think sometimes when you're in that building, you kind of get into a little bit of a bubble. And I believe there are moments where common sense abandons you. I've thought a couple of things that I don't think you'd see in the NFL. But one, every team should have a game management coach who is the one that you consult on, whether to call timeouts, whether to use a challenge, et cetera. I wonder if a game management coach before the two-minute warning wouldn't have said, no, 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 don't challenge this potential PI call. But sometimes I think there should be just somebody who's in charge of common sense by saying, you know what, if you do, Rich, you've tried the Noah Fant run twice this season. You've lost yardage each time. Maybe third and one when you're up 10 
and you don't have to score on this drive, but at least you need to keep possession and keep Minnesota's offense off the field and give your D a chance to rest after an 18-play plus a two-point conversion series. Maybe now is not the time to get creative and cute with this Noah fan end-around thing trying to make it work and just have Brandon Allen with a sneak or send Royce Freeman plowing up the gut for the one yard to move the chains and go on to another series of downs. It happens all the time. Like, you're not crazy for thinking you could have called a better game or called a better play in that situation. It happens all the time where just people in the NFL overthink things. They, they, they get too cute. They get too smart. And, and, and a perfect example is not from the play calling, but it's from the quarterback. Joe Flacco is a better quarterback than Brandon Allen. But Brandon Allen isn't thinking. He's just playing. He's just saying, Cortland Sutton's good. I'm throwing it to him. Uh, you know, I'm gonna, I, I can make this throw. And Joe Flacco was overthinking it. He was trying to be too perfect, and it resulted in a lot of uh, sacks and timing being off and this and that and whatever. All right, real quick. Mace brought this up before the podcast, and then someone just tweeted this at me. This needs to be mentioned. So Ollie Fell tweeted at me and said, uh, uh, of the players that tried out for the Broncos yesterday, (laughs) some of these players are in the Don Barclay and Carmen policy realm of being (laughs) legitimate people. Let's just listen to the names. (laughs) Corian Ballard, PJ Locke, Trey Matthews, Tyree Robinson, Isaiah Wharton, Daryl Banfield, (laughs) Tayshawn Bauer, Willie Henry, Wyatt Ray, JT, spelled (laughs) J-A-Y-T-E-E, Tiuli, Trey Crawford, Gimel President, (laughs) definitely related to Carmen Policy, Uh, Pita Taumopenu. Taumopenu, he's actually coming off an injury, I believe. Devontae Davis, this this might be the best one. Picasso Nelson. I want to sign him just for that first name. (laughs) And Kahani Smith. Think of the headlines if Picasso Nelson succeeds as a player. Oh, man. Full Nelson. Are you going to... uh, Well, yeah. Are are you going to go sign Rembrandt next? Oh, my God. Is there a Renoir out there in the scouting process? Gimel President is That's pretty the good. best one. That's pretty good. That Maybe the pretty, best one I've a, ever heard. At least we can thank John Elway for this. He's making it interesting. He's making it fun at 3-8-7. Yes. Yeah, Gimmel president sound, I mean. So what should president's number be? Uh, 46? 46. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what position does he play? Linebacker, uh, maybe? It doesn't say. Gimmel oh, president is a linebacker. Is yeah. Oh, there we go. He could. <laughs> there we go. Are there any 46 on the team? I don't think so. I don't think no. so either. There you we got go. 45. AJ I thought Johnson. of Aaron Brewer or, as 46, but he's not there anymore. Is Casey Kreider? 42. Okay. Yeah. There um, we go. <laughs> all right. Next one. Actually, before we do the next one, as you may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important, and our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam that's right you just have to take care of your teeth and green mountain dental will hand over a free sonicare toothbrush check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today next one coming in from djc 151 philip rivers may have a basketball team of kids but baseball. rogers Com- or baseball team of kids but rogers Camardi has a football team where only half the kids have to play both ways lol 15 kids and three failed vasectomies that's remarkable <laughs> it is two can we please have dnvr shirts with Jokic doing the sky hook with the caption the spectacular serbian hooker 
I'd buy it in a heartbeat. I would have to tell uh. you, it's the splendid Serbian hooker. Uh, not, he's, he had it wrong. Um, I would buy that in a heartbeat, too. <laughs> I've, been tr- I've been trying to uh, campaign. There are some people in the company who think that there, uh, people wouldn't want to wear a shirt that says hooker on it. I can't imagine why. Three, fun little off-topic question. Who would win in an Oklahoma drill between Mace or RK? RK or Zach? Mace or Zach? It's a drill where both players start flat in their backs, about 10 yards apart, and on the whistle, flip over, pop up, and run directly at each other and try to tackle the other. Oh, trust me. I know what the Oklahoma drill is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm going with Count Locula, who says, <laughs> never, ever bet against Mace, ever. Okay, you know what? Since uh, since Count Locula wants to see it, we'll put you two up against each other. <laughs> Mace has low center of gravity going for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, moving on to the next one here from Michow. Mace, Brandon McManus has missed 22 field goals since going 10 of 10 in the 2015 playoffs. 22! That's more than five per season, and we have six games to go in 2019. He currently sits 47th in career field goal percentage behind the likes of Blair Walsh and Chandler Catanzaro, both of whom are unemployed, as well as Matt Prater, who lost his job to BMAC. Like I said, what he did during the run to Super Bowl 50 will never be forgotten, but it's time we build Belichick him out the door and move on before things turn to Cody Parkey levels of disaster. This anti-McManus thing is fascinating because – in four, in three of those four years, he's still north of 80%, which is basically kind of the, the median level. I mean, he is a middle-tier NFL kicker. We're not saying that he's great, but do you really want to turn into the Chicago Bears or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers cycling through kickers? H- how many games have the Bucks lost over the last few years because their their kicking situation was inept? You do not want to become one of those teams. This is one of those situations where you say, okay, you bring in a kicker in the offseason just to see where he goes and if he might develop. But unless you see something spectacular from that kicker, you'd rather stick with average because average is still a very trustworthy level because you don't want to run the risk of being one of those teams that is losing games because you have a substandard kicker. I think that um, McManus goes as the Broncos go, oddly enough. When they're good, he's good. And it's not his fault, I can tell you that. It's not the other way around. The Broncos go as Brandon McManus goes. Um, You don't. You really don't want to go down that road. The weird thing is you can't trust drafting kickers. That's like the weirdest thing. I mean, (laughs) ask the Bucks. Roberto Aguayo. Like, the best college kicker ever comes and can't make a damn thing in the NFL. It's the oddest... Thing. Maybe they need to move the hash marks to be the same in both leagues so there's nothing that can throw them off. There's actually an it's supposed in- to be easier in the NFL, though. The hashes are closer. Yeah. I think pressure does matter. With Roberto Aguayo, clearly the problems were mental more than physical. One of my favorite examples on kickers and sort of how goofy the whole thing is, is there was a guy picked in the second round of the 1985 draft named John Lee, out of UCLA, one of the best kickers in college football history, considered to be a can't-miss. He's picked in 1985. And the problem was John Lee told the Cardinals that he had a superstition in that he did not kick well in games that were broadcast by CBS. I guess CBS had done a couple of UCLA games and he hadn't had good games. Well, considering that CBS had the NFC contract at the time, this was sort of a problem. And John Lee 
was a complete bust. He was out of the league a year a year later. Uh, there's um, the Cardinals had really bad luck. They had a guy named Steve Little who was also a high round draft pick uh, eight years earlier. A combo kicker and punter couldn't do either well, and actually he had a basically kicked off against another guy they brought in. I believe it was Neil O'Donohue. Lost the kickoff and lost his job, and then went out, got drunk, and this is where it got tragic. He ended up in an accident and was paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of his life. Jeez. Yes. All right, that's a good place to move on from kicker <laughs> talk. Sad. For Mile High Hitman, worst take ever. If we get Rivers, I hope we also find a way to clone Bowles and make him our entire O-line so we watch him get smashed every game to give me some joy during the season at least. Oh my gosh. 21 Bolos and Rivers is all he deserves. Oh, wow. I was much more accepting of the Flacco experiment than I would be of bringing in crybaby Rivers. Hard no. Wow. <laughs> On another note, if the Broncos think they're going to be able to make Locke the backup at home in week 13 without fans booing and turning on the team after Allen's first incompletion, they are crazy. Maybe you could pull that out on the road, but home fans won't let them get away with such incompetence. All you're doing is encouraging yeah, them to not make him the backup. <laughs> don't put that out there, Malahi. And then you're saying make him the backup in week 14, and then the earliest it can start is week 15. Uh. I don't like that. Next one coming in from VGK Bronco. I just listened to Justin Simmons respond to the media saying that he can see spurts of what this young group of players are capable of doing together. And I agree with what he said. He's right when he says this team is under first time head coaches and coordinators and needs to evolve together with continuity. Whatever Elway does, he just needs to sign Justin to a long-term contract. He's an, he's a star and seems like a great team leader. I also love the story of Vaughn taking the team out to dinner after a real tough loss. Hopefully the team's, stays together through the tough times this year, learns from its mistakes, and gets some good momentum toward the end of this year with Drew Locke starting sooner rather than later. By the way, did anyone see that save flurry made against the Knights game, against the Knights last night? Best save In the year. Knights game last In the night, okay. Against the Leafs. Yeah, it was pretty dirty. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. You By know, the way, it, did you see the Avs are still rolling even without two of their best three players? Yeah. You know something stop. about um, that dinner if this team turns it around over the next year or so, we're all going to point to that dinner as the moment it happened. And we'll point to Zach's piece on the DNVR.com as the essential piece that outlined it so perfectly. And if you want to read that, make sure you use the promo code RK, Zach, or Mace to subscribe and get us a nice little boost in the contest. We are trailing the Nuggets, but we can win this with your help, and I highly recommend going to check out Zach's story on that. It was very, very good. Thank you, sir. And we need you guys to come through with us. So Zach, Mace, or RK? Look at us banding together. <laughs> From Dan Burke, Jeff Legwald ran a nice little piece about the VR system that our QBs are using. Quite a few good t tidbits in that piece, but here's a summary. A, the Broncos were one of eight teams to use the VR system. B, LA was one of the first team execs to test the system in 2015, and it immediately gave it his seal of approval. C, Kubiak considered installing the system in 2016, but decided to hold off until 2017. Speaking of 2017, VJ didn't like the system, although the Cardinals do, so sucks for VJ. We already knew this from his quote, quote, VR isn't football. God dang it. D, the system lets Locke see plays from Flacco and Allen's perspective that track and tracks Locke's head movements to analyze his progressions, etc. system also t tests Locke accuracy and response time. Also allows Locke to set up in the red zone, third down, and two-minute situations. I'm intrigued by it for sure. Here's what needs to happen. We got to be able to use it. <laughs> yes, we know it's on the second floor. Which is a place that neither of us have been. I'm sure Mace has been there. Um but I don't think they're going to let us do it. I don't think so. What but if we really ask, though? 
Like, oh, really, ask really nicely. Well, yeah. it, would, it would be interesting if every reporter could go and do VR for quarterback, VR for linebacker, VR for lineman. It might generate an increased understanding of the game that you don't always already have. And I love when coaches do stuff like this because I know that Mike Zimmer, mm-hmm. before the season every year, does a film session with the media. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a, so cool. It, it, and it bridges a gap between them and allows them to see things from your perspective. And I think it creates a much greater understanding of the toughness of some people's jobs and, you know, how you might be able to get something wrong and how it might look like it's Chris Harris's fault, but it's really Kareem Jackson's fault. And all that stuff, right. I think, is really, really cool for coaches and, and organizations to reach out and players and, and, and do stuff like that. And um, I'll take my chance here to pump up Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker has been very, very open with the media, spent some time of his, during his bye week to have lunch with the media. Those type of things, man, it might seem like a pain in the ass for, for a coach or an organization at the time. Those things go a really long way. It's something to keep in mind. Mike Shanahan did that once, but it wasn't about understanding what the offense or defense was doing. It was He was trying to make a point about how much one of his idiots. players getting fined and how he shouldn't be fined, explaining why a block that was perceived as illegal actually should have been legal. This was back 15 years ago. I've also heard stories of him calling someone in and saying, you are effing wrong. Watch right here. <laughs> Next yes. one coming in from Chilongo Bronco. Hey, guys, I really don't see the NFL ready for taking a team to another country, and they probably will look to the London Jaguars first. Don't get me wrong. It would be great to have the Chargers here in Mexico City and watch the Broncos once a year. Imagine the advantage for the Broncos related from the height. However, the fan base in Mexico City statistically is divided, mainly in Steelers, Cowboys, and Patriots fans. We Broncos are number eight, and the Chargers aren't in the top ten. P.S., you are right, Mace. I hate Philip Rivers. The Chargers aren't in the top ten, but it actually sounded like something close to a home field advantage for the first time all season Monday night in Mexico City, perhaps because people relocated from Tijuana down to Mexico City and were cheering on what used to be basically their hometown team. Here's the thing. What is the number one problem with the Chargers being in L.A.? It's that there's a, it's a melting pot of people there who cheer for all sorts of different teams, and, and they're not just going to change. And that's London. And that's exactly what London and Mexico City <laughs> and all these other places that don't have a team is. It's right. people from all over the world, uh, also just people who don't have a team, so they've been able to choose whoever they want. Sending them there, I'm sorry, but Chilongo Bronco isn't just going to drop everything and become a Chargers fan all of a sudden. It's going to take a generation, whatever team goes to Mexico City or London. But the thing is, at least they would have that market, or really an entire nation is what you would be hoping would develop. Whereas in L.A., you're always going to have another team there. So there's no chance of creating that affinity. I think if the chargers went to london for example it would be a very divided crowd probably for anywhere from 10 to 20 years until they took root a younger generation embraced this as their local team and even over time if the team is successful you may see some that they have a team in their backyard they change kind of when there's an expansion team like when the carolina panthers started in 1995 a lot of people hopped on the bandwagon and said, yeah, you know what? This is a team in our backyard. We're going to pull for it. Uh, it is, I was in L.A. this weekend. It is absurd how little uh, Chargers gear. There's no Chargers gear anywhere, not in stores, not on people. It's almost like they're actively trying to ignore them. That's sad. 
Like, they're trying to tell them, please leave. Like, wow. every person completely ignores the Chargers. Wow. Which is why, to rearrange the playing field for them, I'm going conspiracy theorist here, but if Tom Brady decides to leave the New England Patriots and Phillip Rivers is done with the Chargers, Tom Brady wouldn't surprise me to become a Los Angeles Charger for 2020 because that is the sort of game-changing scenario that might finally spur some buzz locally around that team. That's a good point. From Bronco Gator 87 Hey, guys, love the podcast. Just a couple comments and a question. Please, no Rivers. I doubt he'd want to come to Denver anyway, as much as we dislike him. I'm sure the feeling is mutual with him. I don't think so. Money talks. I think he loves Denver. Uh, two, I never found the word mucus funny until May said it. Three, could it be that Fangio is really unaware of the narrative he is creating with interviews and press conferences, i.e. saying Locke needs to be the backup first? To me, it just seems like sometimes he's spitballing. See, I, I thought VJ was the spitballer. <laughs> and he was. I think Fangio knows exactly what he's saying all the time. I think so, I too. Mace, too. can we get a mucus? Moist mucus. Oh, my God, <laughs> bro. Go. I, I took it want. to another level with moist. <laughs> that has been shown to be one of the most uncomfortable words in the English language. <laughs> you should be put in jail. Yes. Next one coming in from Sir James Radio. Mace, uh, I hope DMVR is paying you well because I will be sending you my... My medical bills for having to hear you say ride Garrett Bowles for one more year. All jokes aside, I would love for, Ry- wow. for Rivers. To I, come I, in. I didn't say it because I wanted to see that happen. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Here's when we get to the best part of the comment. All jokes aside, I would love for Rivers to come in. I have long since admired Rivers. Anyone that goes out and balls with the torn ACL is worthy of admiration. Dude is the ultimate gamer. He gets a lot of the heat because he whines, but that's just the passion for wanting to see his team succeed. Living out in Southern California, I've seen many Chargers fans absolutely taken for granted over the last couple seasons. I would also personally volunteer to babysit all 27 of his kids if he chose not to uproot them and have them stay here in SoCal. His penchant for picks is only exceeded by his proclivity to procreate, to borrow a Jay Peterman quote. Wow, that was good. Um, <laughs> he, he, this is where I knew he was lying. He said, I've seen many Chargers fans absolutely take him for granted. That would have to include many Chargers fans. They don't exist. Well, then maybe he's in San Diego, perhaps, no. because that's where you still find pockets of Chargers fans that are still rooting for the team because there is familiarity with a Philip Rivers, for example. I, I think when Philip Rivers walks away from the Chargers – that the final thread that connects them to San Diego is severed. This is That's a, the thing that I think is keeping a right. few fans from San Diego County still in the Chargers' back pocket. There is a, the day that they moved, some like Chargers fan went and like threw a bunch of their gear like on the, the front steps of their facility, <laughs> and someone took a picture of it, and Brandon Spano tweeted it and said, wow, every Chargers fan is leaving their gear <laughs> at the facility. And there's like three shirts. <laughs> you know, hilarious. the thing is, though, there, there were a fair amount of Chargers fans in San Diego, and really it didn't start getting bad for them in terms of not having a home field disadvantage until the 2010s. It was getting sick of the Spanoses. But for a long time, that was a tough place for the Broncos to go in and play. It was a loud place. It was difficult, a difficult environment to handle. All right, from Bumpy Buffalo, everyone needs to just realize that if we grabbed Crimea Rivers, that could pay off huge. Not only can we upgrade the O-line and get in protection and surround them with more talent, 
He's more mobile than Flacco. Ooh, I take issue with that. He can still pull off a boot, and his arm is insane. Take issue with both of those things. Good deep ball, and when he can set, his accuracy is off the charts. That's actually true. The guy is a huge crybaby, and honestly, half the time it works for him. The main reason I'm good with this is because if he he would come... If he came to Denver, he would be all in, but even more so, he would be hungry. This would be his last shot to get that ring, and I think that would push him to have probably one or two of his best years. Rivers is 14-18 and 18 versus the Broncos since entering. Five of the losses came in the Manning era, so asterisk there. He has a winning record overall. If we get Rivers within two years, there is a run to the Super Bowl. Hey, who knows? With the governor changing it to free all-day kindergarten <laughs> and the new daycare help that are state-mandated, he might just come here. Rivers, Lindsey, Sutton, Patrick, Jano, Fant, plus a decent O-line and a great D. Terrifying team right there. Love it. Love oh it. Not bad. Eh. Except for that you were wrong about a lot of things on Rivers, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Heron, been a while since I commented, but I had a question for y'all and maybe the draft guys. What would y'all think about signing Emmanuel Hall, Drew's wide receiver from Missouri? He's currently injured, so I'm thinking more of an offseason move. Wondering if he could be he could be an option along with a rookie on day two of the draft as a way to add more upside to the receiver core. Two things. Number one, the injury history. Number two, not great hands on Emmanuel Hall. I think you could bring him in on the 90-man roster, yeah. but I wouldn't be making my plans around him developing. You can actually thank Emmanuel Hall for Drew Locke being a Bronco because I think if some of his wide receivers would have caught their passes at Missouri, <laughs> uh, he might have gone higher in the draft. <laughs> <laughs> sure, bring him in on the 90-man roster. Sure. Uppercut of justice. Given what you folks have said about the offensive nomenclature being near Glossolia? Glossolalia, I don't know. Uh, I wonder if anyone short of Peyton Manning could maximize this scheme despite his objections. What is the average word count per play in the NFL, and is there an avenue for players to approach a coach about something like this being too mentally difficult without seeming like they're lazy or lacking effort? Definitely not. Also, Zach, you believe Joe Ellis is involved with Locke? Would you expand on this? Well, we just said yesterday that it's it's – could become more than just a football decision, a business decision to get people in the seats. And Joe Ellis is the business guy of this organization. Joe, the tickets, you're our last hope. <laughs> the tickets are already sold, so that may sort of temper that a little bit. But, but to, every time you have a no-show, optics, optics, it, it's right. optics, but also every person who's a no-show, the average, the average fan spends what on souvenirs and concessions? I would say... Forty to fifty dollars. Yeah. Okay, so let's say you have ten thousand no shows. Just do the math on that. Yeah. Yeah, that's two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Or four hundred thousand dollars. And then multiply it by three games, perhaps if he doesn't play, that's over a million bucks. That's halfway to Theo Riddick's salary, by the way. Theo Riddick, who isn't going to play this year. We all just became huge Joe Ellis guys. Joe, you need to go to Vic's office. Help us, Joe. You're our only hope. From Jayner, it's been a while since I've commented. Had to because I'm hearing the dumbest talk from a certain someone. <laughs> Philip Rivers is the most overrated QB of all time. Way to increase uh, engagement here, Zach. I don't care if he comes to Denver and throws 60 touchdowns. Stop. Probably would have 60 interceptions to match. He chokes all day. How many Super Bowl rings does he have? He is trash. I don't want Big Ben either. I would be okay be with Brady because you'd be interested in Big Ben? Yeah. Eh, no. Give me Big Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a Big Ben guy. I, def- I'm, I don't think anyone can be a Big, Big Ben, ben guy, guy with a good conscience. <laughs> One thing I'll say about Big Ben and Jameis Winston, these are not good people. Yeah, that that's a that's a red flag. I, I, in a vacuum. Yeah. 
Okay. I would be okay with Brady because of his leadership and the fact that he knows what it takes to win. Also, I don't want to pay trash QBs loads of money. Would rather spend money on our current guys like Chris Harris, Wolf Simmons, etc. Even spend money to get a better O-line. Let's see what we have with Locke if he isn't, isn't the guy. Go for a quarterback in the draft. Jayner, that, that makes so much sense. Cost control quarterback. Spend to keep the defense together. Build the offensive line. Your brain and my brain there, my friend. Got a hit on that cost control quarterback. From Bronco born, Bronco bred. Am I going to get to see Drew Locke in Houston? I really do actually like Brandon Allen, uh, but more of a fun girlfriend in college that you just like but never see yourself ending up with her. Great metaphor. I want to find out if Drew Locke is the one. Let's stop messing around with girls uh, that we know won't end up with. We, will, uh, we won't end up with the long term. Hopefully I finally get RK on a pod. Luka is greater than Jokic. Tell me why I'm wrong. Well, because Jokic is better than Luka. <laughs> Maybe not for long, though. Um, but Jokic has a top, uh, is, a, is an all-NBA player. Oof. Luka can't say that yet. He's really good, though. Yeah, uh, from Pig Tosser 66 keep killing it, guys. Thanks for the great content day after day. A few thoughts. One, Drew Locke should not be the backup at any time during the season. If he's in uniform, he has to be starting. That's what we said at the beginning yep. of the pod. I mean, it's, yep. I couldn't agree more. Two, Noah Fant has turned the corner. That dude's playing with an attitude and a confidence that we haven't seen from him yet. The 75-yard catch and run, I think, showed him not only that he belonged, but he can dominate. This guy's going to be an uh, elite tight end in this league market down. Just stop asking him to block elite edge rushers and stop giving him the football on handoffs. And don't make That's him look no, into the sky. No. <laughs> a lot of spec- specifics with him, but he can work if you do it right. Uh, four, threes for Mr. B. Four. The more I think about last Sunday's game, the more encouraged I get that this team is headed in the right direction. He goes on a lot about that. I actually agree. I like I I said this yesterday on the Denver Sports Podcast. I have zero negative feelings about that game. Yep. It's crazy to say I really don't. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. And it all worked out. Yeah. Five, Colby Wadman has to have incriminating <laughs> photos of Tom McMahon. That's the only explanation. This guy sucks. I haven't seen anything on the injury reports. But is this guy playing through a broken right foot? Damn. Whoa. Keep up the good work, fellas. Appreciate you. <laughs> My goodness gracious, that's rough. And the last one here comes in from Grossman. What's going on, guys? I've been a listener for about two years and a member uh, for a few months, but I'm finally getting around to commenting. I'm born and raised in Kansas City around Chiefs fans my whole life, but my dad and grandpa grew up in Denver and were season ticket holders, which is where my love from the Broncos come from. It's awesome. Going to school at KU, and that being said, I'm always around Chiefs fans and have some friends that go to Mizzou that are also Chiefs fans. I talked to them about Locke and what they thought of his potential as a pro, and they didn't, have, they didn't give him much of a chance and cited his lack of composure under pressure and his performances in big games. There's a stat, and it's quarterback win, so I don't want to put too much on it, but the fact that Drew Locke only led Mizzou to one win against a ranked opponent in all of his starts there is one reason why you see a lot of skepticism from the fan base at Mizzou regarding Drew Locke's chances of being a successful pro. It's just he's playing in the SEC with not SEC players around him. Yeah, and I'm curious about this. What was Patrick Mahomes' record against against ranked teams? But Mizzou thinks that they're better than Texas Tech. Sure, but they're they aren't. much. They have worse. Their talent that they get compared to what they're playing against is worse. It's just. It's not a. Uh, I just don't think it's fair. I think if you take Tua off of Alabama and put in Drew Locke, he's the number one overall pick. But I will say this: if you're going by college performance, Chase Daniel is much more well thought of by Missouri fans than. Drew Locke. Yeah, because he put up Star Wars numbers. Yeah, and he was playing in the Big 12 with Big 12 <laughs> players. <laughs> right. 
Um, but also, don't forget, Mizzou went to two SEC championship games before Drew Locke was a starting quarterback. That is true. Mm. Uh, they really, they they really messed up the opportunity there. They had an opportunity to capitalize on a ton of momentum, and I, some, they somehow dropped the ball. On the that. problem was that recruiting took a hit, and then you had the whole protest thing back in 2015 when Drew Locke became a freshman, and that sort of hit them for a couple of years on the recruiting trail, and then you changed coaches from Gary Pinkle to Barry Odom, who he's done all right, but he's no Gary Pinkle. He says, sorry for the long introduction and comment. It's been a long time coming. Thanks for giving a Broncos fan living in enemy territory a platform to get all the info I need. You guys are the best. We love having you ride with us. So Thanks, great man. And maybe I'll see you when I come out to KU for that uh, CUKU basketball game. And with that, we are done today on the DNVR Broncos podcast. We appreciate you all for listening, for commenting, for yelling at Zach, for subscribing. You can promote with Zach because you feel bad that you yelled at him. Or you can use our care mates because you're still so mad at Zach. No matter what it is, we still love you guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the DMV Podcast. Watching the Olympics? Have you ever thought of becoming an Olympian yourself? Well, USA Weightlifting provides athletes with an opportunity to continue their athletic career following retirement from football. Their transitional athlete program offers a route to becoming an Olympian. Don't take it from me though. Listen to Daniel, who's been training with USA Weightlifting and says it was the perfect way to get started in the sport. I would totally advise uh, somebody to do this transitional athlete program. Uh, it, it's almost like a rubric for them to go off of instead of just kind of learning and uh, just trying to start somewhere and not know who to talk to or where to start. Going into it, it's definitely uh, something that if you've never looked at it before, never looked at Olympic lifting or anything, it's very kind of makes you feel nervous going into it. Definitely go into it full-fledged if I, if I did again, even if I knew nothing about it. So, uh, you know, anybody that's kind of timid about getting started or looking at this, definitely dive into it, something you might fall in love with always wanted to like represent you know the country in some way or another so this is like the steps and starting that it's just you know honor something that i've been looking at since i was young to try out register at www.usawrecruiting.com today and maybe you'll be their next 2024 olympian